0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great, holding on is fear. Letting go is freedom. I just want you to think about that just for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Holding on is fear, but letting go is freedom. I wonder what it is that uh, that you hold on to. Um, Maybe what past conversation, maybe a past event, maybe... A situation that's happened in your life that you've just not been able to shake off. Um, you've not been able to let it go. I wonder what plays over and over and over in your mind. As I'm talking you're probably thinking of something right now. It maybe brings a sense of anger. It might bring a sense of guilt, maybe shame. It possibly might even bring a sense of embarrassment should other people know what You're thinking, you see, when we hold on to things of the past, when we hold on to our regrets, it it stops us from being able to move forward. It stops us from progressing. It stops us from having that freedom. It stops us from receiving what God has for us and that he wants to give to us. I wonder if you could join me. Just get your palms out. Uh, both, if you've got both, free one, if you're just like me and you're holding something else. And I want you to clench your fist as if you were holding something. You might even want to squeeze it tightly as if you've really got a good, firm grip. It was uh, Walter Cannon who first described um, the fight versus flight uh, notion. And I'm sure we're all aware of what that is, but Uh, Just to recap, it's the idea that um, in us, it's innate in us, when we find ourselves in a situation of being uh, scared or uh, we're going to be attacked or we have a threat or there's some harmful thing about to happen, it's a survival technique where we either choose to fight or we choose to flight, um, otherwise running away. You see, when we're scared or when we're afraid, when we're fearful we tense up and we can freeze. Sometimes we don't know what to do and that's a little bit like this, you know, with our fists, we can either pull them up here and I'm ready to fight or I might bring them down here and start doing this and I'm ready to, fl- to flight and to run away. But not only that, it's a position of restriction, of restraint, of limitation. When I've got my... fists clenched when I'm holding on to something, I can't then necessarily go and do the next thing. More importantly, I can't receive anything from this position. I can't give anything from this position. You know, If you were to give me something, how am I going to take hold of it when my fists are clenched like this? How am I going to be able to give you this microphone if I'm going to hold on to it? I can't see, the things that God has for us, the things that he's spoken over you, the blessings he wants to pour out to you, you can't receive and you can't give to others unless you let go. Everyone, open up your palms. That might be a little bit weird, having clenched it for a minute or two so tightly. You see, we've all got to let go and release our regrets. We've got to let go of what we've been holding on to. So that we can freely receive what God has in store for us and be able to give and to share them with those that are around us. So I wonder, I wonder what regrets have been stealing your freedom? What things have you been holding on to possibly in fear that's been stealing your freedom that you need to be able to let go today? Because that's what we're talking about this morning. As Lucy has already said, introduced, I'm Matt. Uh, I am on staff team here at Ivy Church. Uh, I head up um, Ivy Sport, and I'm going to be going with Lucy into this new venture of uh, planting back at the original uh, Ivy Didsbury site, which we are uber excited about and um, really looking forward to what God's going to do because He's done so much for us in these last eight months of being here, and. I guess we're just doing it out of obedience, thinking, okay, if you're calling us to that, great, we're going to do it. Because to be honest, it'd be quite nice just to stay here. It would be comfortable to stay here, but we're not called for a comfortable life. You know, God has uh, a sense of humor. Um, I don't know if you know that. I know that. God has a sense of humor. I have a sense of humor. Well, I like to think I've got a sense of humor. My (laughs) friends might disagree with that, but... um, God has definitely got a sense of humour, and the reason—I'll tell you why I think God's got a sense of humour—because in preparing for this talk, it dawned on me, and I think I might have mentioned this last time I spoke. Yet um, it keeps on happening: is so that every time I look at what is the theme or what is the topic, it's always a negative thing. It's like, why do they always get me to speak on things that aren't what people want to hear about? I've, I've had sin, I've had being a dead church, I've had holding on to your regrets. Why do you always think about those things that you shouldn't be thinking about? It's like, come on. Either they're plotting against me, being like, Matt can have that one. Or <laughs> well, God has got a sense of humor. And uh, maybe he's, he's trying to teach me something, which I think probably definitely is. But do you know what? In every time that I've been planning and preparing those talks, thinking at the start, I can't say that. I can't. Who am I to go and say that to them? I just can't bring that message. But do you know what? God has good promises for us. And in all of that, in all of the negative or what we might perceive as an unspoken topic or something that we actually don't want to bring to the surface, you know god has got promises that he wants to teach us that he wants us to learn from and these are good promises so i'm excited this morning i'm excited that we've got a topic that isn't great to from the outside you know thinking about the things that we don't want to think about because there's life changing stuff in this and i hope uh, as we journey together this morning that you will see that too um, and that you will know the promise that god has for you uh, and for your life you see if we don't learn from our regrets, the things from the past, we'll just end up repeating them. If we don't learn from it, we'll repeat it. If we don't deal with the guilt that is inside us, it's going to rob and steal us of our joy. And that's not got what God's got for us. You know, regret, I was reading something um, in preparation for this, and it said that like, regret is almost like a signal from God. It's a signal from God to say that something is wrong in your life and that there's some stuff that needs to be dealt with. It's almost like he's just prodding you. And you can feel it. You can, you can think it in your mind. You can feel it in your gut. It's a feeling inside, that conscious, that guilt, maybe that shame. But you know what? It's God saying, let me release you from that. Let me come and meet you where you're at. Let, me, let you learn from it. Let me free you so that you can start over again, and we'll wipe the slate clean. No, that's what we're looking at, we're looking at starting over, that's where this series is coming from. Starting over, it says your life beyond regrets. That's what we're thinking about this morning. I've got three quick questions for you. Um, you can raise a hand if, uh, if it relates to you and you answer um, like that. So, who here hates getting ill? Should see every hand up, otherwise just got people who like sick days. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) great. I don't like getting ill. Who here, when they when they get ill, um, when it gets to a certain point of being ill, always puts off going to see the doctor? Your other your other half might say you should go see the doctor. This is me. I'm talking about myself here. I'm being honest with you. Okay. Who here, once they've gone to, they've eventually gone to the doctor because either they've had enough nagging from someone or they actually are really ill that they're like, I need to get some professional help with this. Once they've gone to the doctor, doesn't actually always do what the doctor asked them to do. They're like, you need to do this every day for the next seven weeks. And you're like, no chance. I might do it every day tomorrow. And then that's it. Why, um, why am I asking you about whether you like being ill and going to the doctor? Well, the reason is the similarity with that and how we deal with our regrets is so similar. You see, because when we realise we've got regrets, we don't like them. I've not really met anyone who really likes their regrets, you know, but... So sometimes we don't even want to admit that we've got them. That's like when I don't, I don't really want to admit that I'm ill. Just, I'm going to soldier on. I'm not really ill. Matt, you're dying. I'm not really ill. Come on. We don't want to admit that we've got them. And we certainly don't want to go to Jesus to talk to, them, to talk to him about them and be like, I've got this issue. I need you to help. You're the one who can help me. Just like I don't want to go to the doctor to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. And then when we eventually either get to that stage, we don't even want to always do everything that he asks us to do. Because you're like, I can't, I can't do that. I might do that. Yeah, that's okay, I can do that. I'm definitely not doing that. uh, We've got to do all of it if we're really going to deal with our regrets. We're going to spend some time this morning um, looking into the Bible, looking at what Jesus says, uh, how to deal with different types of regrets. And this book um, sort of categorizes them into four different ways. Uh, we looked last week at Anthony. He showed us how we need to recognize our regrets, but just recognizing them, just knowing that they're there, isn't enough to deal with it. You know, this morning we are looking at how we can release those regrets, how we can let go, how can we not be bound. By fear but we can step into the freedom I mentioned last time I talked that I uh, like watching the TV show um, Bear Grylls the Island and I, I specifically said it wasn't Love Island, it was Bear Grylls the Island just to make that clear um, what I don't know if I mentioned I was trying to wrap my brain um, to see if I did mention this or not um, uh, and I don't even know if my wife knows this so I might have a regret after sharing which I'll deal with. Um, but what I didn't mention was I actually applied to go on the show. I joked with her. I joked with her that I, uh, I was like, oh, here's the application form. She's like, don't do it. I did it anyway. Um, so we're learning the art of forgiveness this morning, people. Join with me. Pray for me. Anyway, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going, because there is a a link, tedious though it may be. (laughs) As part of the application form, there was a question. And the question was, what do you do uh, when something breaks or when something's been broken? How do you fix it? It was a multiple choice. It was A, do you try and fix it yourself? Bodge a job, whatever it might be. B, do you Google it? Or C, do you call a professional? Now, in all honesty, I would do all three. I would probably try to fix it and realise that I couldn't, um, in the process of trying to Google it, being like, what's wrong with this, Uh, and then eventually I'd have to come to the fact that I need to call a professional um, and for them to fix it. But because in all of it, I thought, well, whatever I do, whether I try and fix it or whether I call a professional, I'm probably still going to Google it, either to make sure I'm trying to do it right or that the professional is actually doing it what Google says should do. I chose B, Google it. But this is where I'm going with it. I don't know if you've ever done that, if anything's ever broken, uh, an appliance or something in your house, or something's gone wrong, and you're, the first thing you do, you get out your phone, type into Google, washing machine won't spin. That's something that not, happened to us not that long ago. Washing machine won't spin. And I'm expecting Google to give me the answer to that statement, washing, my washing machine won't spin. And If you do that, if you type that into a search engine, usually you get a list of questions, troubleshooting questions that they're like, well, has it done this? Has it got this? Has it got that? And basically these troubleshooting questions are trying to narrow down what the root cause of that issue is. So you know what to do to fix it, whether it's a part you need to replace or what it is, whether it's fixable at all. And that's the link this morning is that we're going to look at some troubleshooting questions questions that are going to hopefully help us get to the root of our regrets but not only the root and just to know what the cause of it but actually how can we then fix it how can we overcome that how can we live a life beyond those regrets as i've already mentioned regret is um, it's a signal that something's broken it's a signal that something's wrong in our lives and we're left with this problem So, yeah, we're going to ask these questions to help us identify what those problems are. And one of these, there's four of them. One of them might just really resonate with you. Great. You know, hold on to that. Listen to what's being said. Several might resonate with you. I'm sure throughout all of our lives we will experience all of these things. So it's all good stuff for us to learn from. So let's crack on. Number one um, is regret hurting someone. You know, people can be mean, they can mess up, they can make mistakes, and by people here I'm talking about me. Something that I have come to realise about myself is that when uh, I find myself in a situation um, where either I've done something wrong, um, and I'm often reminded by a certain someone that I do this, is that when I get frustrated or I'm annoyed or I'm upset, I will just try to ignore it and I'll like push it down there, out of sight, out of mind type of attitude. I don't want to deal with it right there and then. If something crops up, I almost just want to run out of the room and clear my head uh, and just get away from it. Only for whatever happened there, that anger, that frustration, to inevitably show itself in... Uh, maybe a passive, aggressive, sarcastic comment several hours later. That's something that I can resonate with and it usually hurts that person on the receiving end because I've not faced it head on. You see, when our regret is to hurt someone, we need to ask them for forgiveness. However hard, however awkward, however embarrassing, however humbling that experience might be, that's the key to freedom with that person and with yourself. If we've hurt someone, we need to go to them and ask them for forgiveness. See, Paul writes in Romans, he says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's not someone. That's not the ones you want to. That's not just your friends and not your family. That is everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Something that Lucy and I um, have maybe held on to, not uh, like specifically for any reason, but something that we have done in our marriage um, is from Ephesians 4.6 where it says don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So if we've had a disagreement before uh, bed and you're about to go to sleep but we've had a disagreement like I just won't be able to sleep because it's not been sorted out and that's just something that we've held on to so like if we've had a disagreement or an argument or something like that and we're going to sleep on it it's not going to help the situation. So we have to deal with it there before we go to sleep, otherwise I'm not going to have a good night's sleep, and I love my sleep, so we need to get it sorted. But the thing is, if we're not capable to owning our own mess, owning our own um, mistakes, owning that stuff, there can be no depth in the relationship. I want you to check this out. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, it says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You see, this here... Me and you, you and your friends, you and your family, you and your spouse affects you and him. This horizontal relationship that we have here on earth affects your vertical relationship with him. It's saying we've got to sort this out before we've got to go to him. How can we have meaningful, deep, significant, loving relationships if we can't own our own mess? And we can't go and seek forgiveness from those who we've hurt. Number two, I regret committing a sin. So, whereas before we were looking at this, if I've hurt someone, if I've hurt you, you know, that's a relationship breakdown here on this level. Committing a sin, and we've looked at a little bit of sin and what sin is this morning. That's the vertical here. That's me and God. What have I done? that now bridges the gap between my relationship with God. You see, sin is a word that we avoid using. It doesn't really bring a lot of positive uh, connotation to it, does it? It's As important as it is to understand and acknowledge, we don't really like to use the word. We don't like to call anyone a sinner, or you, you, know, you made a mistake, or you got some stuff wrong, but no one actually really likes to use that word, and I'm... Myself is included. Yet the reality is, the word affects all of us. Everyone sat in this room. Now if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will have already come to a realization that you are a sinner. And you would have probably already asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins. That's what we do when we make that first step, that commitment, you admit, you recognize, you realize, I've, I've got it wrong but you can make it right. You see, sin is often thought of as just breaking rules. It's I don't do this and I do do that. I do do this and I don't do that. But let's just get one thing right this morning. Sin is relational. Sin is the thing that wedges the gap between me and my Heavenly Father. The more I sin, the more that relationship becomes further and further and further away and we become distant. See, if I regret committing a sin, I need to come before Him in order to ask for forgiveness so that that distance can get closer and closer and closer together. You see, God hates sin, and we know that from the Bible. It tells us he hates it. Not because it goes against what he's commanded us to, but it violates what we call shalom, which is peace, a wholeness, a oneness inside of us, pure, godly peace. And when we sin, when we go against that, that's stolen from us. That personal peace you might have experienced it yourself, it's, you just feel there 's an unrest inside of you you 've not got that that sense of personal peace in order to release ourselves from that from that regret of committing that sin we 've got to make it right with god we 've got to come before him and seek forgiveness from him last week, Anthony um, introduced us to uh, David and told us the story of him in 2 Samuel and you know what David I love David as a character of the bible he's got to be probably one of my most favorite um characters Uh, and for those of you who don't know my middle name is David and I actually take some pride in that I actually think like yeah great because David was known to be a man after God's own heart. And I'm like, that is, that's what I want for me. Like, core, cool, if I could have anything like, that closely connects me to David, then great. Despite all that he had done, all the sins he committed, which we, we, we found out about last week, he was, had the ability to come back to God, come back before him. He owned the sin He admitted he was wrong and he sought forgiveness. And we see that in Psalm 51. That's like David's prayer of confession. I'm confessing, I've messed up. And this is between him and God. He admits he's done wrong and he seeks his forgiveness. You see, recognising it, just owning it isn't enough to deal with it. Recognising it and recognising the regret in our life isn't enough for it to go away. Because we can know it's there, but we've not dealt with it. We've got to confess. We've got to confess it before God. He already knows what we've done. He knows everything. So bringing it before him isn't like bringing something new. As if like, oh no, what's he going to say? He doesn't know about this. He already knows. He knows everything from past, present to future. He knows. But what he wants is for us to own it. And for us to bring it before him. Because then that takes a bit of responsibility from us. We're called to confess it. In 1 John 1 nine, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, then this is the good bit. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all the wickedness. Isn't that great? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins to cleanse us from all wickedness. But the important bit's at the start, if we confess. It's not he's just going to do that, it's if we confess. I was listening to this um, American guy preaching on this topic, um, and he gave this uh, really interesting concept about this, um, about forgiveness. And He was basically saying that there's a, a theological truth for forgiveness, and then there's an ex- Experiential truth of forgiveness. So I explain it briefly. In um, in the Bible, we know uh, God talks about His forgiveness for us. God has forgiven everything that we've ever done, as I've said, past, present, and future. That forgiveness is already there because of Jesus dying on the cross. That is our forgiveness. So theologically, in the Bible, we know that we are fully forgiven. No matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, we're forgiven. However, we don't get to experience that forgiveness in all its glory until we confess. So we know it's there. That's not a Bible, but we know it's there. It's not in there. We know it's there. We can read about it. It says, he's done it. He's got the forgiveness for us in everything that we've done and everything we're going to do. But we can't experience that unless we come before him and we confess it. Now, God doesn't want us just to live in the theological. He wants us to live in the experiential. He wants us to live in, the, in life in all its glory that he's created it to us. So we've got to seek him for that forgiveness. Number three is regret making a mistake. This is a bit different um, to the others because this isn't necessarily a sin, um, sort of going against what we've been commanded to by God, but we do make mistakes and we can regret that and we can um, hold those very tightly. I'm sure if I was to ask you um, what mistakes you've made in your life, it wouldn't take you long to think of some. Probably some as long as your arm, just like me. Um, as part of sort of my job and doing the sports stuff, I manage uh, our church football team. And I'm telling you, as a, as a manager, uh, some, as a coach, as someone who's sort of like watching the others play and like seeing them in training and watching the games you see a lot of mistakes. You know, it can be frustrating as a manager when you're trying to um, get them to do certain things, but they're making mistakes. And you know what's interesting is how people deal with that. Like in a game, how people deal with their mistake. You might have seen it if you've ever watched a sport on the telly. You know, some, for me in, in our team, you know, if you pull up a mistake, some just try to deny it. It wasn't me. No, that wasn't me. That was because of that. That wasn't me. Some... Uh, try to drag others into their mistake. They're like, well, if he'd done this, and you know, if you'd actually played the ball here, or if you t- told me that you were gonna do that, then I would have got the ball. And oh yeah, well, the sun was in my eyes. It's like, come on, like, don't drag other things into your mistake. You made a mistake. Some accept the mistake, but they just beat themselves up about it. The heads down, that's it. You've lost them now for the rest of the game, because they made that one mistake. And others, they learn from it. I'll tell you experience about beating themselves up. This is me. I remember the first time I played um, for my team back home. uh, I played in goal for them for the first time. Now, I'm not a goalkeeper. Although, funnily enough, I ended up playing in goal yesterday, which is great. Um, Which shows you how far I've come. Because it was the second half of this game, a league game. It was about 20 minutes to go. Um, It was a very close game. I can't remember exactly the scoreline, but... It was a close game. Anyway, after just a few um, minutes of being on the pitch, I came on as a substitute, a sub-goalkeeper. I don't know why they did that, and I wasn't expecting to do that, but anyway, I was brought on as a sub-goalkeeper. Last 20 minutes, really close game. They're attacking, they're attacking down the left-hand side, the guy cuts in, he shoots. At this point, I realise I'm completely out of position because I'm not a goalkeeper. I'm there, running backwards, trying to figure out where the goal is, trying to see where this ball's going, and in the process, trip over my own two feet, whilst falling onto my backside, and somehow this ball manages to go through my legs, and then trickle into the open net. The humiliation. (laughs) The frustration. I just wanted that ground to open up and swallow me whole. It didn't help. But that, that was the first game that Lucy came to watch. <laughs> where I was going to be like, come on, yeah, 20 minutes, cameo, come on, going to change the game. No, no, I did change the game for the, for the wrong reasons. I made a mistake as a keeper. I made the mistake. I was out of position. Um, I tripped over myself. Like There was no one else to blame. I made the mistake. And at that point, I was like, never playing in goal again. No, no. You see, I could have kept that. I could have constantly just beat myself up about that and bringing back that memory of how embarrassing it was and how I didn't want to relive that anymore. But I forgave myself for it. And, you know, I've been, I played in goal yesterday, played in goal many a time since because I didn't hold on to that and I didn't. Beat myself up. I didn't keep on playing it over and over in mind. I let go of it. I forgave myself for it. You see, if we make a mistake, that's who we've got to forgive. We've got to forgive ourselves and be willing to do that. You know, don't beat yourself up because you made a mistake. We all make mistakes. We're all human. We all get things wrong from time to time. But we've got to own it, we've got to recognize it, and then we've got to forgive ourselves for it. Number four is regret being hurt. Maybe you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe someone treated you badly many years ago. Maybe you even heard those awful words from a doctor. You know, this type of regret can lead us to imprisonment, can lead us to feeling shame, can leave us feeling bitter, can leave us feeling sorry for ourselves. you know, And we've got to try and deal with that. I don't know how many of you have either read or uh, seen the film called Unbroken. I'll be honest, I'd never heard of it until planning for this, so I'm not expecting a lot of you to have um, read it or seen it. Anyway, it was a film released uh, back in 2014, directed by... Angelina Jolie, and it's the story of um, Louis Zamperini. This is an American athlete, and he qualified. Um, he was a bit of a troubled kid, but then he got himself into running, um, found out he was really good at it, and he qualified for the 1936 Olympics. When World War II broke out, and the Americans got involved, he signed up for the military, and After his plane crashed, he managed to survive 47 days on a raft out in the Pacific Ocean until he got captured by the Japanese. He was then sent to a prisoner of war camp and Louis became the target of quite a nasty, cruel, prison commanding officer. He suffered horrendous torture and torment That people have described too difficult to even watch on the screen and after eventually being released at the end of the war he managed to survive and after being released Louis dreamed of revenge how can I get my revenge on those who mistreated me but in 1949 Louis became a follower of Christ He went to a Billy Graham conference and that night he committed his life to the Lord and the following year he travelled back to Japan and he went to those prison of war camps where there were Japanese war criminals and he embraced them and he hugged them and he found some of those guards who treated him and he told them that he had forgiven them for what they had done. These people who had tortured him, who have done things you just wouldn't even imagine, he said he'd forgiven them. And for that one commander that seemed to pick on him particularly, he tried to reach out to him, unfortunately with no, um, no success. The guy refused to meet. Do you know what? Zamperini didn't care about that because he was free in his heart. He knew he'd forgiven that man. He'd long since set him free of that hatred. But how did he get rid of that revenge, that hate that was inside of him? Yes, he met Jesus. And then he forgave them. He forgave them. He released that hatred. He released that shame. He released that bitterness and the anger through his forgiveness. You see, when we're hurt, we need to forgive the offender. We need to go to them and say, I forgive you. That might be difficult if either that person isn't here um, or it might not be a person, it might be a situation. But in your heart, you need to forgive that in order to overcome it and to live beyond it. Now, I'm not saying that that's easy, because it's not. You know, if someone has hurt us, sometimes the last thing we want to do is go and approach that person. In our humanness, we want that revenge. But in our godliness, we need to forgive. By holding on to that hurt, it only stops us from being able to move forward in our lives. It imprisons us. It it keeps us stuck in that moment. So let it go. Release it. You know, you might be thinking, how can I ever even start to forgive someone or that person. You might be thinking of something right now. How can I even start to do that? Do you know what? God never asks of us more than he has already given to us. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He's already done it. He is the one that gives us the ability to forgive that person we think we can't. It's only through him that we can do that. You know, And when we're hurt deep, we need to forgive deep. This isn't a one-time thing. This is a, an ongoing, every time either I think of that person or I think of that situation, help me forgive that. I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. And the only way we know that we've come to a point of full forgiveness is that we can either see that person or we can talk about that situation and we have peace. We have full peace inside of us. We don't want to seek that revenge anymore. So I wonder, do you regret being hurt this morning? Is there something that's weighing heavy on your heart? I guess the answer is to forgive that person in order to release that regret. We're going to go into a time of um, some worship and uh, some songs. And I was thinking about the response here, as to what can we do to, like, so it's, this isn't just a come, sit down, listen, and walk out the door. Because I think God's got some stuff that He wants to work in us this morning. And I want to allow time for that, and I want to allow Him to do that. So, sort of when we're when we're worshiping, when we're singing. Um, i going to clear this away. This space, that space. If you, if any of that has resonated with you this morning, if there's anything that that was you, you either thought of someone or you thought of that mistake that you've made that you just held on to, or you know that you've hurt somebody else and you need to go and make it right with them, if there's anything, then can I just invite you just to come up to the front? Um, I'm going to be down here. I'm just going to get on my knees before him because... We can't do any of this without him. As that last verse said, you know, it's in Christ who's forgiven us, so that we can forgive. This isn't something that we do on our own. And this is about stepping into freedom. As we started this, so as I started my talk, those um, two sentences. What are we going to choose this morning? Are we going to hold on to that fear? or are we going to let go and step in to freedom? That's why this is the positive. This is the, the goodness, the good promise that we've got this morning is that there is freedom out there that we can have. He, he wants us to have it. So are we going to choose to let go of those things and step in to that freedom?